When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Because we travel for television every single week, I try to find a place that has decent Wi-Fi or at least has an Ethernet port for me to stream from. I keep pushing forward into this area of YouTube and Twitch because one day I won't be able to fall on my back and my neck anymore, but I will be able to play video games. I will be able to produce content. I never would envision that a guy of my stature who speaks my way, who pretty much is himself at all times, would ever make it on national television, but now we have a viable place to do that. I've put a lot of abuse and I've put a lot of time into doing this, but I honestly wouldn't change the journey for anything because it makes it so much sweeter now. We're back. Wrestling is back. It's like when your dad goes to the gas station to get cigarettes and he doesn't come home. He came back. Dad came home. Very precise situation. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something, Mean Something. We are here live on Discord every single week. We have a great guest lineup tonight. I am Kevin Lieber, and with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, we're in the midst of the grind in the lead up to VidCon, which is the first time Kevin or I will have left our houses in in years. Yeah. 12, 13 years. Yeah, yeah, literally this room. I will be translucent. You could see every ounce of blood (laughs) pumping through my veins, (laughs) which might be scary at first. I hope that you get used to it in person, though. But yes, say hi to us if you're going. Yeah, we're about to find out who's a daywalker and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we have a lot, a lot of ground to cover because we have a guest unlike really any guest we've ever had. But we we want to hit a little background first. In 1948, the Topps Chewing Gum Company released a set of collectible cards called Hocus Focus. They actually kind of developed when exposed to light a little bit like a Polaroid. And they were designed for mass appeal, and they touched every important cultural note. They had subsets of actors and actresses and military leaders and dog breeds, and of course sports, including Notre Dame football, Major League Baseball, and also professional wrestling, headlined by former heavyweight boxing champion Primo Carnera. And from Gorilla Monsoon to Bruno Sammartino to Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan to WWE and All Elite Wrestling, in the nearly 75 years since an athlete's tiny picture came with a stick of gum for a penny, 
No sport has evolved as much as professional wrestling. The whole enterprise depends on headliners who are larger-than-life characters with distinct personalities and athleticism that would be at home in any Olympic or professional sport. An Undertaker, a Giant, a Hitman, a Hulk, a Rock, you know all of these people— we probably don't have any sense of the journey that got them there. And now we're entering the era of the gamer. So tonight we're joined by All Elite Wrestling's Evil Uno. But before he was evil, he was Player Uno, an NES slash Super NES driven wrestler with a controller on his pants that opponents could pause. Uh, they could press the button to literally pause Uno during a match. With tag partner Stu Grayson, he made up the Super Smash Brothers. Over the last 20 years, his Sigma grind set has taken him from school gyms and more three-letter independent wrestling promotions than you can name, right into your TV every single week. Now he's even got his own action figure. And while he's ditched the player for evil as part of AEW's long-running Dark Order stable alongside John Silver and Anna Jay, he still finds time to game. Uno has a popular Twitch channel, a personal YouTube channel, He's a staple of the AEW Games channel. He vlogs, he collects toys, he plays games, and he quizzes fellow AEW wrestlers on their gaming knowledge. But before we talk about what it's like to stream on the road with a grueling travel schedule, Evil Uno has six Super Nintendos. How many Super Nintendos is enough Super Nintendos, and is there a limit? Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, great introduction. You should write my book. Uh, you know way more about me than I do, that's for sure. Uh, and. Uh, I need I need at least two in my home, one to lend, and then uh, the extra two oh. that I have in there, or the extra three that I have in there, is just in case an, a previous one breaks. Because I've had in my years of wrestling, I've, I've acquired a bunch of Super Nintendos, a bunch of NESs, a bunch of every console ever, and I can tell you this from experience: almost every single one of them ends up not working properly, and so it's always good to have a backup. This is layers of paranoia, then. It's true. It's about true. Securing also, a I, I hoard everything that's given to me. So I have a whole basement <laughs> full of things. <laughs> so that was exactly what I was going to ask. Is, are people giving you Super Nintendos at conventions and meet and greets and that sort of thing? Mm. They definitely did uh, back in the day. When back I was playing Uno, that was like a common thing. Every week, uh, people would, would give me video games in exchange for T-shirts or they would give me consoles they didn't want to acquire. Uh, they didn't want to uh, keep anymore. Uh, the most recent thing that I got was a uh, I got about uh, fourteen different Sega CD games with within packaging and stuff. So that that was mm -hmm. uh, a month and a half ago. It doesn't happen nearly as much as before. You think now that I'm more popular, it would be more often. But I'm less associated with the video game than I did the video game world than I previously was, and so I don't get the nearly as many as I used to. Well, I have to follow up on that because uh, I'm a little bit of a gamer myself. I have a, a bunch of Sega CD games. They are <laughs> huge. So this person must have handed you a rather large box to just <laughs> even give you uh, that many Sega CD games. It was a grocery store bag. Yeah, one of those. Oh, like, my uh, God. Um, yes. I, 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 and thankfully, I drove to this show, so I was able to drive back home with it. If I was flying, that would be I'd have to ship oh. it. Probably the weight alone would be too much. Mm -hmm. How big are they? Just I, I don't I, I remember them as being like, you know, standard DVD size no. things. No, they're I, like the size the of the Lord of the Rings book. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> they're they're not like huge. laser disc size <laughs> no no not that no, no. big <laughs> the boxes the boxes um yeah the discs they're, are they're just discs but the boxes are gigantic. yeah they're the same cd mm -hmm. they're like oddly fragile too and 
there was this whole weird thing a couple of years ago. Okay, now we're just getting into like retro gaming thing where these guys, <laughs> I think it was limited run games. They were trying to reproduce them. Like they went through this months or like year long process to painstakingly reproduce like the Sega CD jewel case box, long box thing. And it was this huge saga and it was really hard to do. And, uh, you know, these are the lengths that true <laughs> retro gaming nerds go through. But they, the reason they were doing this is because the cases all, are all cracked and the hinges broke and people wanted to mm -hmm. replace them. And uh, the, they're so freaking expensive now that you can't really just kind of like buy a cheapo game just to use the case because they kind of don't exist. Were there any bangers uh, in, in the set that they... They hand it over to you? Any uh uh I did get Sonic C D. Um uh, I got um man, I'm trying to remember what else was uh oh Night Trap was on there. Mm -hmm. So very excited about that. Uh there was a uh plane game. I'm not hundred percent sure what that was either. Uh but no, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but those were the two that uh, really struck me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're streaming, you know, when you're when you know Matt touched upon this a bit in the intro but mm -hmm. you know i saw a clip where you're you're hanging a light on like a, a garbage can in a <laughs> hotel conference room or something can you give us a little bit of insight into what you go through and what the process is to be traveling as a professional wrestler but then also having to like lug around set up figure out where to do your streams uh funny enough uh, today i'm i'm set up on a garbage can once again uh, uh, as my my tripod. Uh, but uh, what I do is uh, because we travel for t television every single week, uh, All Elite Wrestling is is a touring company uh, and our TV shows are on Wednesdays. So we travel Tuesday to Thursday and every Tuesday to Thursday, I carry around a 60 pound flight case uh, that has my console, a laptop, uh, a key light, um, a stream deck to do uh, switching on the fly because I don't have a, a live producer or anything. That the, that's all myself. Um, my camera uh, and then all my extra equipment. So any of the wiring, any of the uh, um, my hotspot, so on and so forth. So what I do every single week is I try to find a place that has either um, decent Wi-Fi uh, or at least has an Ethernet port for me to to, to stream from, and we. Uh, get the AEW talent, uh, the pro wrestlers that are on our show to compete in uh, in little competitions. Uh, you know, with uh, uh, occasionally there'll be there'll be prizes, and occasionally there'll be you know penalties to whoever loses. Or we we have them play little game shows. Uh, and I, I've been able to set up in most places, but uh, because I lug this all myself, and because I don't have a a proper setup, sometimes things are propped on garbage cans. So right now, you may not know, but uh, I have an upside down. Uh, a garbage can holding up my camera right now for this discord call uh, i have my microphone set up into my laptop that is plugged in across the room over there because there's no proper plug here <laughs> it's it's a it's a hellish process every single week but i'll be honest uh i kind of like the 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 difficulty of of uh, of figuring out every single week how i'm going to pull this off um it's kind of rewarding to me it's like its own little puzzle um but then when it doesn't work, I, I feel terrible about it because it single-handedly falls on me. But uh, as of yet, fingers crossed, nothing too bad has happened yet. Don't the cleaning people 
think you're doing something sinister. Like they walk in the room to, to change the sheets or something. It's like, oh, here's a light shined on the bed and a video camera there. And, like, and a leather masked man. Yes. And a leather masked man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely uh, have had a few, uh, a, a few confusing looks. I, I can tell you that for sure. Um, we typically will rent a, a conference room in a hotel downstairs, and which means uh, it's one conference room of, uh, among many. And what will mm-hmm. typically happen is that we're one, we're the only one that's presenting pro wrestling. So we've got pro wrestlers running around yelling, uh, masked men, myself included. And then everyone else is at a business meeting. So a lot of time people will just be walking by and they're, you know, I don't know, they, maybe they, they have a, um, uh, a meeting about Excel or something. And they're just walking by and they're seeing this masked man, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to play Jenga with crab hands. Um, you know, like that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of content I create weekly. So, but, uh, no, yeah, it it gets, it does, uh, it definitely does leave some questions for people who just walk by. That's for sure. As yeah, Doris from accounts receivable does like a quadruple take. (laughs) Have you had any kind of memorably odd encounters in hotels with people who are just confused (laughs) as to what's happening? Uh, less so in the hotels, uh, but I, I wear this publicly at all times, right? So, I, or not all times. So don't get me wrong. They're, I'm not saying I, I wear this 24 seven. That would be terrible for your skin. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, if I go in public with uh, all all elite wrestling pro wrestlers as well, uh, I may have to wear it, you know, for appearances' sake. So uh, if I go out, uh, for example, I've done it. Uh, at Universal Studios, and I've gotten some pretty wild questions. I've had uh, uh, some of the weirder moments have been uh, when I have to ask people in public to take pictures of me. Um, mm. Because, so for example, I went to the Bean in Chicago, and I have to ask a mother of three if she could take a picture of this weird SNM man <laughs> in front of the Bean. <laughs> and so I've always been, I'll always get the same question. I'll be like, so uh, what do you do? Because they, no one, I, I don't, it, it doesn't scream wrestling right away. If I was wearing a singlet at the same time, it would be a different orde- yeah. ordeal, but I'm wearing proper clothing. Uh, so a lot of people <laughs> are very confused as to what exactly I am. Uh, even I'm a little confused as to what I am nowadays. Uh, but no, not not one like, there's not one glaring moment, but I've had a lot of weird, weird questions asked to me just because I have to wear this uh, in public settings at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, if mask mandates force me to wear a mask like that, I, I'd be into, I'd wear it everywhere. <laughs> you would seem a lot cooler. That's for sure. I could tell you, I had no issues wearing a mask during the pandemic. I'm so used to it. So, What is the, uh, did you, would you put, I, I got to ask about this. Would you put the mask on the outside or on the inside? Like which uh, way the surgical mask. Uh, so I would yeah. put the uh, mask within my leather mask. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's cool. I, I just wanted to, to briefly ask what, what is the, kind of converse what is the icebreaker with these people who are who are trying to figure out why this guy's wearing this mask is it just kind of like so uh what what do you do like what what exactly do they do they approach you with uh, so i typically prep them oh, okay uh, by making fun of myself so most of the time i'll ask them if they can take a picture and no one is just right off the bat going to be like what the hell are you are, why are you wearing that so I'll make light of myself. I'll be like, uh, hey, do you mind? Uh, I, I know this will be a little weird. You're probably not used to wearing a, a you know, taking a picture of a masked man before or, not, or, or you know, of a pro wrestler or something. And I'll, I'll kind of intro it that way. 
because I find that's a lot easier to get someone to accept to take the picture if I kind of give them an idea that I'm not some creep um, beforehand. Uh, but there are some times that I just haven't thought about it. And then people, you know, they'll they'll kind of linger on the moment and be like, so what do you do? Like, why why are you wearing this? Uh, but most of the time, I'm I'm conscious enough to give them the heads up. Mm-hmm. You ever go up to somebody and, and just be like, hey, can 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 I get a picture with you and your freakish real face? <laughs> Like it just <laughs> totally flipped the script on them. <laughs> like this freak's not wearing a mask. I need no, I have not thought about doing that, but that might be a good little bit for me to do next time. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Put down your can of Hyper Hydro Monster and your Crimson Berry White Claw. It's time to rethink the beverages in your life. We drink a tremendous amount of tea, working on videos, recording the podcast. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. They've got a gunpowder green tea called Space Cowboy. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know why Kevin likes it. I used to chew gunpowder green tea leaves when I played baseball in the 90s. I love the stuff. Dragonwell Z, Samurai Chai Plu, Black Teas, Herbals, The Dragon's Treasure describes itself as a haven for anime and tea lovers for a reason. They've even got a tea called Uwu. It's got apple bits and cocoa nibs. It's crazy. I bought the 60 tea sampler pack as soon as I could. I wanted to try everything. It's that good. And when you order from The Dragon's Treasure using the code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Look, find me another place that sells Russian caravan tea with a name like And Then Everything Changed When the Fire Nation Attacked. You can't. Thedragonstreasure.com, 10% off when you enter the code CREATE at checkout. The link's in the description below. Get brewing, Space Cowboys. Well, uh, you know, one, one of the things that uh, really, really attracted me to to having you on this show is that you 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 are this kind of world walker where you are in this world of pro wrestling, you're in this world of YouTube, and you're doing a lot not only for your personal channel and your personal Twitch, but also for the AEW Games channel. So, you know, we're entering this world that continually, no matter sort of what you do as a day job or wh- what where your background lies. It's viable to have a presence online. It's viable to have a social media presence that's more than just, you know, angry (laughs) political retweets, which, you know, there's a market for that. But there's also a market to to build your own brand and to be yourself and to have um, your own vlog where you get to kind of share your life and people get to know you more rather than just seeing you, you know, on their TV once a week. They get to follow you behind the scenes as you're uh, backstage or at a convention or whatever. So I'd love to hear more about like what got you into that side of things, the, you know, our create unknown side of things of, of doing, mm-hmm. you know, this this camera thing and and posting to YouTube and so forth. Um, so, I mean, it's not something that's foreign to me because uh, so I started wrestling 18 years ago. Um, so a very, very long time ago. Uh but my first little break um, outside of because I'm I'm uh, originally from uh, Ottawa, Canada. Um, so there are not a lot of Canadian wrestlers who expand into America and to Europe and so on. They're quite rare. Um, so what gave me my first break was I had a friend who is a very good video editor and he made 
a, a video edit of, of my first few matches set to Kill Bill. And what that led to is me getting to wrestle with a lot more homes and a lot more places. And it made me realize that like, oh, there, there's, a, there's an actual audience on YouTube. And so 15, is it 15? Uh, no, 13 years ago, uh, I started doing a YouTube channel with with local professional wrestlers called the Nerd Slam, and so I, essentially, what everyone has done now, what up 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 down down in WWE or or uh, what we have done on AEW Games, um, essentially they were let's plays, and so they were let's plays uh, of pro wrestlers playing video games, but I didn't have the you know weight of of the popularity that we have nowadays, and we were all just mostly local pro wrestlers and i i at that time would also twitch stream so this was about 12 13 years ago so this is on the infancy of twitch just after justin tv um and so it, it was something i was already looking at over a decade ago but i didn't have that extra bit of of uh of leverage from my own brand to get uh, any further and so i kind of gave up on the idea because i wasn't sure if there was going to be life uh for that content. And then what happened is that during the pandemic, um, I had so much time to myself um, that I started realizing that like, I want to offer more of myself to the world. And I want more than just the occasional three minute wrestling match, uh, you know, every week. And I, I want to, I've been doing this for so long, people are well aware that I, I love video games. And so I figured, okay, I'll start Twitch streaming so that people can attach on to that aspect of me. Because, you know, when I'm beating up a, a man in the ring, I can't really tell you my favorite Elden Ring bosses. It's not really the same, <laughs> you know, it's not the same demo and also just not the place to do it. And so I started Twitch streaming so I can get, you know, I could start feeling feeling like my gaming time was also productive time, but it also gave me an avenue to, you know, talk video games with other people uh, uh, to get some of my friends who play video games with me to also play video games as well. Uh, and that that gravitated into YouTube content. Uh, which opened up uh, um, the avenue to AW Games uh, to do the same thing. And so for AW Games, um, what I try to emphasize as much as possible is that it's less about the production, it's more about how much fun we're having. And so I try to grab multiple uh, pro wrestlers and try to get them into competitions or, or, or stuff that they are into. So for example, we've had Orange Cassidy go against Luchasaurus uh, in chess battles because they actually both, heavily play chess and backstage so i've put that on twitch and i've put that on youtube and we've tried to uh, present pro wrestlers real interests to people because i feel like much what i did for myself where i, I got to show everyone a little bit behind the scenes without actually taking off the facade uh and, and showing people my interests i wanted to do the same thing for everyone else and so honestly i i keep pushing forward into this area of youtube and twitch because one day i won't be able to fall on my back and my neck anymore uh, but I will be able to play video games. I will be able to produce content. And so um, it's putting my baskets in, a, in or putting my eggs in other baskets. But it's also something I'm very, very interested in doing. Uh, and it's opened up so many doors for me just by just by a shared interest with everyone else of creating uh, content and of, of course, playing video games. Mm hmm. And, and I feel like has there been a, a ripple effect uh, among the talent where other people are getting into this too? Because I, I always notice that this type of thing becomes infectious. You know, you see mm -hmm. somebody have a little bit of success uh, doing a channel, and then somebody says, "Hey, well, I could do that. Why, why don't I also, you know, start start flying?" So, have you seen it spread a little bit among? Because I have noticed uh, some other AEW wrestlers uh, doing doing their own vlogs and stuff like that. 
Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that's a big portion why I got the AW Games job is because I started doing Twitch stuff. And I'm not the first one. Obviously, there were other people, uh, you know, uh, Austin Creed has has Twitch streamed. He's not. So I'm not the very first pro wrestler to do this. Uh, but within AEW, I was starting to kind of build steam because people already knew I was a, a gamer. Uh, and so, you know, there, there's been a lot of talents since I've I've started Twitch streaming who have jumped into it as well. Uh, myself and Adam Cole had jumped in around the same time. And then, uh, you know, Colt Cabana jumped in. Um, uh, Serpentico has has started doing it. Brian Pillman Jr. started doing it. Uh, Fuego del Sol. So, like, there it is definitely have, the people who have genuine uh, um, gaming interests have jumped in uh, to Twitch streaming at the very least. And then the the vlogging, uh, I was actually, I ended up being on the other side of it. Uh, Ethan Page was a weekly vlogger who vlogs his toy hunts, and I would go with him fairly regularly and it's made me realize that oh maybe i can vlog as well so i started doing youtube content based off of his weekly youtube content and that opened up to thunder rosa doing weekly youtube vlogs and so yeah there's a lot of learning from others uh within this and i'm sure you know you're gonna see some of the for twitch for example once the pandemic started going down a lot of those people stopped Twitch streaming because they didn't have really as much time because we travel mm-hmm. so often. And I'm sure the vlogs will be very similar as well. But you're going to, I'm sure as the years progress, you're going to see more people on Twitch uh, because I think people are, are starting to realize that it is acceptable for pro wrestlers to like other things, to enjoy, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, video gaming. And also, you know, I, I have uh, pro wrestlers who don't even just game, who paint on Twitch. Twitch is a, a viable option to do all kinds of things. Um, you know, there there's a... Um, Chris Harrington, who is our, our VP of finance, comes from this podcast and they do their their Twitch streams where they just look over uh, Excel sheets uh, of of data from pro wrestling events and from, uh, you know, economic backgrounds or like the quarterlies from WWE. So there's there's a there's all kinds of out, uh, avenues that you can go with a, a live uh, a life uh, platform like Twitch. And so I think we're going to be seeing more and more wrestlers uh, jumping in and doing their own thing for there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It also seems like you get a better connection, you know, with the audience. You get to, mm-hmm. or they get to learn more about you, and and perhaps you kind of gain fans in a way that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. I mean, I I certainly have seen that in a in a different way, um, just branching out kind of to other platforms outside of YouTube because the audiences are very. I don't know how many people like unless you. I suppose unless you're really in the weeds on this, you don't really understand how different the audiences are on the different platforms you figure well everybody has a, an instagram everybody has yeah. and they're not <laughs> like not mm-hmm. everybody is on it people really kind of have their go-tos they have you like tiktok people like tiktok instagram people like instagram youtube people like youtube twitch people mm-hmm. like twitch they're really like <laughs> pockets of audiences and I don't, I don't know how many people really recognize that but it is important to recognize that there are there are mm-hmm. there, there, there are different people in different places so you know you can hit different people by being in different places is is really my point um i know that um from from week to week it seems like a grueling thing for for anybody to like a grueling job for you i don't know how you have the energy to kind of do all of this stuff like you mentioned falling on your back, falling on your head, but then also tra- traveling all the time and mm-hmm. and streaming all the time. You know, one of the things that we've, Matt and I have talked about for years now on this podcast is uh, one kind of like patience 
in what you're doing. And another thing is you never know what opportunities will come down the road. Yeah. So obviously you are, you have, you know, persevered through many different opportunities, many different companies, things that have come and gone. Did you ever in a million years think that AEW would even be a thing? Because it didn't, I, I, I don't know, I'm way outside the wrestling uh, uh, circle. So who, who, what do I know? But AEW is not new or it's not old. It's only three years. It's only three mm -hmm. years uh, old. And from my outsider perspective, there was just not really an alternative to WWE like AEW for the type of wrestler that you are and for the type of wrestlers that are in AEW because there is there is a difference. And it's what I personally like about AEW and what got me into it. It was like, oh, this is the wrestling that I used to like. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, AEW is a brand new company uh, in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, pro wrestling has been around so long. This is such a, a new company. And um, I never, so I've been, like I said earlier, I've been wrestling for a little over 18 years and I never envisioned there being another company other than WWE, to be honest. Uh, that was to a level that I could reach. Uh, I kind of decided early on because I started when I was a teenager that I probably would never make it to television. I wasn't uh, six foot five. I wasn't built like a quarterback. I wore a, a, a mask and I, I liked video games. And so that wasn't really stuff that uh, that jived with what uh, uh, a mainstream professional wrestler was at the time. And so I kind of decided that I was just going to uh, live on the fringes of pro wrestling. And so for the first 12 years of my pro wrestling career i mostly you know wrestled in gymnasiums little bars you know the the maximum amount of people you would see there would be 500 people um but then in the last i'd say 7 years uh, uh pro wrestling kind of took a weird turn where because of you know youtube because of twitch because of of live platforms and and uh you know i pay-per-views and being capable of of ordering uh um independent wrestling shows the independents kind of got a life of its own and so more and more people started seeing the independent scene and that kind of is what made tony khan open up AEW. he was a big pro uh, pro wrestling fan uh um he still is a big pro wrestling fan but he was a big independent pro wrestling fan in the year 2012 to 2014 and he saw this crop of guys uh, uh more specifically the young bucks come from little independence and then start selling out events in front of you know 8000 uh, and going to Japan and making big names for themselves and he started realizing that there there is a market for more wrestling and there is finally a chance to make an alternative and so he started that in uh 2019 and I was just lucky enough to have been there long enough and I had the patience to stick around in professional wrestling I think a lot of uh, a, a lot of my my suggestions to other wrestlers is that uh, you don't know when your moment is going to be and if you're not there and if you're not participating you're not working hard at all times then your moment may just pass by my moment just ended up taking 15 years over uh, instead of you know one or two uh and so i was very very lucky i i i'd been i'd wrestled the young bucks uh, aw offered me a contract and i i can tell you for sure i never ever envisioned i would get to national television 
Uh, I never would envision that a guy of my stature, of my size and my shape, uh, who speaks my way, who wears a leather mask but doesn't do a menacing voice, uh, who who pretty much is himself at all times, would ever make it on national television. But now we have a viable place to do that. And that's why you're seeing all these other stars uh, in AW branch out because they're they're showing their def- their genuine version of themselves like Jungle Boy and Ricky Starks and uh, and Will Hobbs and uh, Swerve and you know all these people who may not have had uh, an option to uh, to showcase their talents previously now can do it on a large scale and uh, and uh, and on a large venue and in front of a national or in front of the eyes of of national television as well so it's been very cool I've been it's been very exciting for me to uh, to do this for sure. Yeah, I, I just wanted to get that on the record for people <laughs> listening because it's something that we like to hammer home, you know, for people who are grinding away at whatever it is that they're doing and perhaps not seeing the results that they they hope to see or, you know, getting discouraged by their channel or their Twitch streams or, you know, what whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It, you could be a professional wrestler and at some point you say, you know, why am I still doing this? <laughs> it's a thing that everybody, no matter who you are, asks themselves. It's just natural. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was thinking about your story, I, I thought to myself, like, here is the, the probably the best example of not in, in really, it's really a twofold great example. On one hand, it was a long journey for you. And it was an arduous journey. I mean, it, it involves a lot of travel and being away from your, your your family and your home and, you know, all of that stuff. That That's its own journey. But the the heights that you've achieved, you know, at the other end of it, at the other end of this journey, the end of that road, I mean, not the end of the road, but where you are today on it, are incredible. It's freaking incredible, yeah. dude. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, big <laughs> time. Yeah, you're on television all of the time, and I, you're like it's crazy. I, I wish I can go back to because uh, I started when I was fourteen. I wish I could tell fourteen year old me the the highs that I would have achieved. Uh, because there's no way a fourteen year old me ever thought that uh, they'd be coworkers with Sting, you know, or that they'd be <laughs> wrestling Goldust twenty years from now. You know what I mean? Like, there's I, I've I've gotten such incredible moments. I've got to wrestle in front of large crowds. I've like got to be on TV. I got to be on pay per view. I've got to wrestle some of my heroes and meet some of my heroes. Uh, I have an action figure, which is that is That's uh, amazing. That alone is a uh, like that was that was such a large realization of of how much work I'd put in um, to see my action figure and to be able to purchase it at the store and to have my mom show it to her friends and and just like that's a physical piece that I, I can say okay this this everything else is superficial and it's it's all uh it's all opinion based but like this is a an actual piece that showcases that i made it you know i'm i i to a point that they were able to make an action figure of it so i've been i've been very very fortunate i'm very happy i've gotten here and of course like there were a lot of moments during my 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 career where I thought, ah, this isn't it. I I can't do this anymore. And um, I'm sure like every artist out there, uh, you know, if you're a musician or if you're an illustrator or something, you you have those moments of doubt where you think, oh, maybe I'm not good at this. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I persevered because, you know, if, if I had uh, given up when I, the few times that I thought about giving up, then I, who knows what I'd be doing right now. I'd probably, 
I'd probably be, you know, the doing web design again, which is not what I want to go back to. Um, so yeah, I'm just incredible to to see where I've I've come to, and I I try to remind myself that all all the time because I don't want to get jaded. That uh, you know, if this if this if this disappears in two months and I go back to the independence, you know, I don't want to be upset about it. I want to be like, you you made you you got to make this moment, and then I don't ever want to lose that. So. Mm-hmm. I saw a great thing on Twitter a couple months back. It was around, <clears throat> must have been April, uh, a baseball player was opening up packs until he found the first card of him. And it, it was that thing where, like, obviously he's made it. He's he's in Major League Baseball. He has a contract. Uh, he has the experience uh, of, uh, you know, that, that he always dreamed of. But it, it kind of like legitimized it to nine-year-old him when mm-hmm. <laughs> open up the pack of baseball cards you know and as you were talking about yeah you can go into a store and buy this action figure there is a level that that kind of thing hits where it's like yeah it is officially officially real mm-hmm. now it never felt more real than when i was able to hold my action figure mm-hmm. like seeing it in front of me and realizing that that's me like that's mm-hmm. that's it's funny because I've had a lot of those moments throughout the last three years of being employed with AEW, but there's only that was one of those moments where it sunk in and it was like, yeah, you should be very proud. Like you've you've the the fact that you have this in your hands is is a moment to be proud of. And you know there are other moments I'm I take it for granted. You know I travel all this time and I see all these places and I, I get to to wrestle on national television. And sometimes you kind of forget that it's a, a huge moment, but that was one that I remember thinking like this this is as cool as it gets for sure we want to help you make something and mean something and we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something even if it's just to you that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating the support for the create unknown in recent weeks has been incredible animators artists musicians youtubers aspiring filmmakers comedians it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is consider joining the create unknown patreon every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community that means more highlights videos it means a big minecraft project that's on the way and eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station and being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. I do want to reiterate something really quickly because, it, like, Kevin, you were talking about the the long, arduous path on this kind of thing. Uh, and, Uno, you were describing it. Mm-hmm. We've had people talk about the extremes, right? Like, I'm, I missed uh, last week with with Tirzu, but Tirzu was like, oh, I, I hit upload once and then I was famous eight minutes later. Like, it literally worked out for him from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we've had the extremes where people have been grinding away for for decades to get somewhere uh another recent one rick beato's story uh in music is truly a a 40-year story um but i i I love tears and rick beato and brendan caulfield who did the music for smiling friends we did that episode he talked about working away in his grandma's basement for many years you know making no money uh but but look none of these people are are actually 
putting themselves in threatening situations. Like Brendan Colefield isn't like, oh, I compose music and I I broke, I think, 14 bones last year doing that. That's not (laughs) happening. I mean, (laughs) I respect the hell out of all of these people. However, let's be honest, there's no physical component Mm. for, you know, 99.9% of of people who do anything artistic like that. Mm -hmm. Um, how, How did that, how did the physical side complicate that what is essentially an artistic process uh i mean it's uh i pay for it every day uh for sure it's a commitment that you make early on um first day of training so i teach people back in canada i have a wrestling school in ottawa uh, and i teach once a week with other teachers and uh one of the first thing i tell tell them is that this is a commitment and it's beyond just the commitment of your time but this will literally just change your body forever uh you know because you're not supposed to continuously fall on your back you shouldn't be giving yourself you know essentially miniature car crashes every single weekend that's not something that is good for your body um but if this is something you really want to do and if this is something that you're very very dedicated to do then you need to know that like regardless if you do this a year or regardless if you do this 15 years when you come out on the other side you will be a different person because your body will will take some serious amount of abuse um and it you know, like because I've been doing this so long, I've I've had a, a laundry list of injuries for sure. Uh, but uh, I've been fairly lucky compared to a lot of people. There are a lot of people who don't get to wrestle for eighteen years. Um, but uh, not only is putting the wear and tear on your body from from pro wrestling difficult, and then continuing on and and trying to figure out if this is the right thing for you to do is uh, or not, but the the wear and tear you get from traveling is is probably worse than anything because yeah. a lot of times what happens, especially, you know, nowadays I get flown everywhere. So it's not nearly as bad as it used to be uh, in my independent scene days. But like I'm from Canada. And so in my city, there's maybe an event every six weeks. And then if I want to go to another city, that's two hours or five hours. That's as close as it gets. You've got Montreal or Toronto. And None of those places can make a living for you. So if you want to make a living, you got to go to America. So for me to go to America, that's at least a seven-hour drive. So what, to give you an idea, you know, three, four, five years in, I would do three, four American dates weekly while working. So I would work Monday to Thursday and go to school, and then I would get into a car. I would travel nine hours to do a show on nine, uh, on uh, Friday night, and then I would travel a couple hours later to Saturday to do another show, and then a couple hours on Sunday. And then I would take, usually I'd, I'd end up doing a show on Sunday in Philadelphia at 4 p.m. And then I would take the eight-hour drive back home that night to get home at 4 a.m. to then go to school at 7 a.m. to then go to work afterwards. So, like, I've put a what? lot of abuse. Yes, Dude, I've put a lot of. crazy. Uh, I've put a lot of abuse and I've put a lot of time into doing this. Um, and I never, I didn't make money for the first. I didn't, uh, or I didn't make good enough money to even bother counting for the first 10 years maybe um and so it is not for everyone um but i honestly wouldn't change the journey for anything because it makes it so much sweeter now that i've achieved it you know um if i if it was just given to me i don't think i'd feel nearly as happy about what i have uh and plus i have so many great stories and and so many cool adventures from from you know going on the roads and and jumping into cars and it's it's been it's been uh not not to to uh not to talk down on other artists and and their journeys it's been a very hard one but uh it's been very rewarding yeah i think it's fair to say that that some people 
just hit the right moment with the right thing. And, and they know, you know, mm-hmm. and when they, they try to make it, uh, like it was, uh, this, this tremendous struggle, like it's obvious when it wasn't, you know? mm. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would love to throw some people under the bus and be like, <laughs> we, we all know their tweets and then we know the reality of what happened. You know, it's like, oh, I had to go back and forth to scratch off the instant win for life lottery t- ticket that I got. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's always obvious when it's real. And and I think that, um, you know, that, that most people who have achieved any sort of success are internally, at least, they're pretty honest about what they did to get there. And, mm-hmm. You know, whether it was just reliance on luck or natural talent where they worked this crazy crazy schedule um yeah you can't fake it so i think they're just honest yeah do, do you find that uh, a lot of the the people on the roster for AEW have since they have i assume pretty similar backgrounds and pretty similar journeys that they are grateful for where they are what they have and are kind of chill for the most part about it yes definitely uh the, the, the great thing about AEW is that a lot of the people I've had the 15 year journey with are now people I'm coworkers with, you know, um, Eddie Kingston and I have had pretty much the same journey. Uh, um, myself and orange Cassidy have had the same journey, Chuck Taylor and myself. So all these people have had to go through the gymnasiums have had, you know, to sell two t-shirts to make sure that they, they can eat for the day. They've, they've, or, you know, they've, they've gone to an event knowing that they didn't have enough money for gas. You know, they've, they've had to go through all of these journeys the same way as I did, because we went through the same locker rooms and we went through the same paths. And I could tell you, because we have these conversations fairly often, um, they, they a hundred percent are know that, um, this is special, that this is a, this is hard earned as well. You know, because there are some people and I'm not I'm not saying this. I, w- I wish I could have started wrestling in the last couple of years and I was young because I feel like nowadays more than ever, you can make it in professional wrestling way more than when I started in 2003. Uh, but like there are wrestlers nowadays who are 19 who get signed within months, you know, and they don't really know the scope of the work that we've had to put in to get there. And so it's not nearly as sweet tasting for them as it is for us. And, you know, some people might say, well, would you rather have that? Yes, but I also am very happy I did this journey because I feel prepared for it. You know, if I hadn't had this journey, then whatever, you know, when, when, uh, for example, when I get sick and I have to stay three weeks in America on my first year, that would have been crippling. I wouldn't know what to do about it. Now it's, I've done this my whole life. You know, this traveling and living in a hotel room is, I live in a hotel room 90% of my week. Um, so there, there are certain things that you can only learn from doing this so often. And, and I think me and all of the other ones who did the independent scene uh, are very thankful for where we are now and are very, uh, don't take it for granted in any way. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how it seems somewhat counterintuitive on the surface, but to, to have to go through a grind does bring you to a better place later. And, and, and I've mentioned this before, on um on many occasions over the years when I've been kind of put on the spot with with younger people who are looking to get into content creation of you know what they should do how they you know my son wants to be a YouTuber what should he do you know and yeah. my response is go mow lawns go yeah. like clean the garage <laughs> yeah. yeah go go get a job roofing uh yeah. 
uh, go get a job, you know, washing dishes. Like, don't even worry about the YouTube thing. Uh, you need to have life experience. Yes. <laughs> like, that will help you so much more than me giving you advice on like a title and thumbnail will right now. Like, go yeah. do things first, please, <laughs> that you don't want to do. Do things that you don't want Preferably to do. things that suck. And it's like when we did talk to, to Rick Beato and, and realized that like great people come out of bad weather. It's true. <laughs> so, so it's true. Yeah. You know, like he, he said, oh, well, we we were all from upstate New York. He's from upstate New York. And he was saying, you know, it's never fully sunny there. It, like it's never actually warm any, at any point in the year. He's like, that's a great thing that. You, you never really had it too good when you stepped outside <laughs> and it's really funny, but at the same time, we know what something like a snow climate does to character. Uh, yes. There's a distinct thing that happens when people have snow. I think they're more than willing to accept the bad sides of things. Like I've lived uh, with, obviously because I'm in Canada, the, the snow is like five months a year. And so to me, if something goes bad, that's fine. There's always a way around it. It's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I've seen, I've been in enough bad situations in my life to know that I'm going to survive this one and I'll see another bad situation later on too. Um, but I, I also seek them out sometimes. Like I, I like, like not, obviously this is in relate, not in relation to snow or in other things, but like uh, I'll, I'll seek things that make me feel uncomfortable sometimes because I feel like that's when you, you truly test yourself and that's, that's when you truly learn something new. If you're doing something that you are comfortable with at all times, uh, you're not really learning. And so I, I like to I like to put myself and thrust myself into situations that may not necessarily be fun or may also may be more difficult than what I need to do. Um, that's also why I have the schedule that I have. Um, I can't tell myself to stop in any way. I I've, I like to put myself in a in situations uh, like I, the reason I Twitch stream and I travel and I pro wrestle and I do appearances and I do independence appearances and I teach uh, and I also run AW games. It's because I told myself that if I don't say no and I'm able to pull it off, then I'm proving my worth and I'm I'm putting myself in situations that uh, that will help me grow. Um, because I never want to feel like. I've reached it because if I've if I've reached what I want to do, then I can only go down. And so if I if I continue to reach for other things, I continue to have more goals and I continue to have more projects, then there's only there's only forward that I can go. And so I, I try to I, I think that people who seek bad things or people who have like well, I, your example, the climate and stuff, but people who have who have lived hard lives uh, typically come out like diamonds in the end. Um, they, they, the more, the more bad experiences you have in your life, the, the more you typically come out, uh, better on the other end, which I'm sure is not for everyone. You know, there are, there are some situations that's not the case, but, um, I feel like the more stuff that is difficult for you to do, the more that you attempt it, the less difficult it is going to be for you next time when you were approached with something that you were not used to doing as well. Mm -hmm. I think, I think every week we get a little bit closer to coming up with like a grand unified theory of discomfort. <laughs> Every single week, there's this new little vignette or point that that makes me think that uh, you really have to maximize discomfort, but in a good way, <laughs> you know, just by doing hard things. Because as you were talking about all of the things that you've done and continue to do simultaneously, would you would you know what to do with yourself if you had it easy? No, I don't think so. 
Uh, I've tried. Yeah, that's what popped into my head. That's yeah. like if this wasn't going 100 miles an hour, uh, you know, that would be such a departure that it would be a, a tough spot. Mm hmm. I think it's a uh, it's habit too. Since I've been doing this my whole life, and I've been trying to reach this this uh, this level that I'm at right now, rather than take it easy when I did get there, I just wanted to keep working more. Um, part of it, I think, is just habit that I'm working this hard at all times. Uh, but I think another part of it is just just wanting more at all times. I, I I'm not not satiated with just doing this. I want to do so much more. Um, and is it exhausting? Absolutely. Uh, um, that I'd have every right, I think, to just pro wrestle and travel Tuesday to Thursday, and people would be like, "That's more than enough." You 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 travel for eleven hours on Tuesday and eleven hours on Thursday, and then you have a full day of work on Wednesday. That's a full weeks uh, of work. Uh, but to me, the travel is not travel is not actually work, and my work is not actually work. So I keep putting work on my table uh, because I want to I want to produce more. I want to I want to you know, like I may, I'm. This will sound real somber, but I may die in five years. You know, and the oh, reality, the, though, yeah. that's the reality of things. You know, I've lost yeah. so many friends uh, unexpectedly, and so I want to do as much as humanly possible in the little bit of time I do have on this earth. And so, do I burn the candle at both ends? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but also, I have to, or else I can't get these things done. Um, and I want to. I really want to get these things done. I love this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is like everything that you were you were preaching to the choir. I just love it. It's so inspiring, and I hope that people listening are inspired as well. Because a lot of it, uh, we live in a time where it really e- is really easy to be comfortable. It really is easy to yeah. just say no to opportunities and figure like, ah, I don't want to do that. You know, be a lot Another easier. Time. Yeah, I'll do that later or, or, or just that's not for me. And, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, every, every opportunity that I've ever had in my life has come from me fighting myself over the urge to say no to an opportunity, mm-hmm. fighting myself to say you should just do it even though you have trepidation even though maybe you're anxious about it or even potentially scared to do that um or you think that there's you're not going to be good at it or you're going to be embarrassed or whatever whatever what whatever excuses that our human brains come up with to create avoidance uh we all go through it but fighting through that and saying you know what I'm just going to do it. I'll just try it and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Those are the only times anything has ever happened for me because I did the thing. And, and it's, it's so yeah. rudimentary seeming you, when you put it into those sort of terms where it's like, well, nothing's going to happen unless you do something, mm-hmm. but nothing's <laughs> going to happen unless you do something. And that's yeah. just how things work. It's how this world that we're on operates. Honestly, and on, and if you you're not going to attempt it, like you, even if you did whatever, whatever situation comes up to, and you're unsure if you want to do it or not, and you're unsure if you have the energy to do it, the very worst that can happen is that it doesn't work out, and you're in the same place you were before. You know, you you just attempted something new. Yeah, you, you made some mistakes. You learn from those mistakes in the future. This one didn't work out, but next time, if it happens again, you'll be better prepared. Or you know. 
the benefits of it come in. You you do it, you do well, and then next thing you know, you have a new avenue uh, to to create art and new avenue for you to express yourself. And so, yeah, I've all I've always I, I a lot of my moments have been the same thing. Is I I rarely say no. Uh, uh, there there are only some situations where I would. Um, but you know, I, I've I've had those contemplations sometimes where it's like, should I do this? Is this the right thing for me? And I and can I swear here? Am I allowed swearing? Yeah. Yeah, and most of the time, my (laughs) thought process is always "fuck it," which is just just give it a try, just go ahead and do it. If you're terrible at it, then you learn that you're terrible at it. Maybe you learn that you like something and that you're terrible at, and you'll learn to be better. Or maybe you find out you don't like it, you're terrible at it, and you don't have to do it again. And now you know, you know. And so, like that's been my approach on all things. Um, You know, sometimes it leads to bad things, and sometimes it leads to good things. But at the very least, it leads to things. Uh, and then not not just be complacent and not, you know, I, I, I like if my path is, is straightforward, I want to hit every zigzag possible because who knows where those zigzags will go. I, you know, I, I know what my goal is in mind. I don't know what the exact path is going to be. You know, if, if my goal was to be a pro wrestler on national television, you know, who knows if year five, if I had said no uh, to lose hundreds of dollars to jump into a, a bus to go to the States, if that would have not open the door later on or if or you know not not spending 27 hours in a car for one single weekend to go wrestle a total of 6 minutes like if i hadn't done that would i be where i am today i don't know that i i honestly don't know but i can tell you this i did it uh it's a memory i have i've made plenty of memories during those 26 hours on the car and i made a ton of memories going elsewhere and it also shows drive to other people so there's it's never to me, it's never wrong to do an attempt to something that you're not good at or to to say yes to something that you may not be sure is, is beneficial to you, as long as it's not something that would hurt your health. Now, obviously, re- wrestling, <laughs> not great for your health, but uh, but yeah. as long as it is something that uh, that you could see yourself at least trying, I, I would I would go for it. I would go for it always, always. Mm-hmm. You talking about this and, and Kevin saying that he's really had to push him through, uh, push himself to do things Mm -hmm. because kind of what's the worst that can happen. It reminded me of something many years ago. I I did competitive bowling and, uh, I had a back injury that when things would line up the the right slash wrong way, it would, it, it was painful enough to really make my stomach queasy. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm bowling a tournament with literal childhood heroes, uh, including Pete Weber, who the Discord likes quite a lot. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, and I'm like, oh god, I, I'm going to take like seven or eight Imodium pills to stop my stomach so that it can't possibly happen when I'm bowling. Well, it didn't, which is awesome. But after that, I, the first thing I thought was like, oh. At least I didn't shit myself. Well, you know what? That's the, that instantly became the new bar, like for life, because no, it, no matter how bad anything is, like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, you know, if if you risk something, uh, like, you know, it's not like you're going to be in front of a bunch of people shitting yourself. Like, it's never going to be that bad. And each time I would think, like, well, it's not like I'm going to shit myself. And then it, I could just do whatever. It didn't seem like a big deal. And as stupid as that story is, I, I'm saying it because it's stupid. I, I didn't know that, like, a, a goofy, idiotic, uh, like, childish humor thing would turn out to be 
incredibly useful every time a difficult situation or a challenge came up for the next 12 years. <laughs> have you, Uno, have you ever crapped yourself uh, while wrestling? Is that That's a thing? Question. Uh, man. Uh, yes, once. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't <laughs> oh, no. sure if we were going to get into this story, but yes, I, I definitely did once. Uh, not a pleasant ordeal. No. Um, <laughs> what made that, it happen? Like, were you ill or did something yeah, happen? So in the I, I was that... ill before the match. Um, and now it's, it's weird. So nowadays, you know, we're a lot more conscious of if we're ill or not, and we would never probably perform with another if you were ill because you would get, make them ill. But when I started wrestling, people that didn't think that way, they didn't think that way about injuries. They didn't think that way about illness. And so I had a very, very bad stomach ache. And rather than not perform. I told myself, oh, I'll do it. What's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is that you can get slammed <laughs> on your back and shit yourself in front of everyone. Um, but uh, I just, I, I'm laughing at the fact that that you took my like number one bar that <laughs> yeah. every literally everything clears and smashed right into it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it. You think that's the worst that could happen, but honestly, it's not that bad comparatively to other things. You know. Uh, so it happened. What would no one was aware. Thing? No one was aware because I wore oh, spandex, thankfully. Um, and uh, <laughs> since then, you know, I could tell you that uh, there are worse things than shitting yourself for sure. <laughs> but uh, it, that is, it is by it is by far one of the most humiliating things that can happen to you in those situations. That's I, I can guarantee you that. So nobody even noticed. Now the bar is even lower. Yeah, now the it. bar is. That's I could it. actually now, shit now myself. If I, and it wouldn't be a big deal. If I shat myself and everyone <laughs> saw and knew about it, it would be a different situation entirely. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think I was wearing Dockers. It would have shown. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I felt like there was like some sort of proverb there about a tree falling in the forest. I don't know. We'll just pass over that. Um, All of this is in Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Um, okay. I have a couple of quick ones and then I wanted sure. to briefly touch upon my interest in wrestling journey. Uh, so, all right, here's some quick ones. Uh, does anybody have uh, a tattoo of you? Yes. Has that happened yet? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Really? What was that yeah. like? Uh, so I've had very, I've had many different iterations of my mask throughout the last 18 years. And so uh, I remember the first one ever was uh, uh, this uh, pro wrestler, Daphne, who had passed away, unfortunately. And she got a ton of pro wrestlers masks uh, across her hip. And she had added one of mine. This was like uh, 
12, 13 years ago. And I remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing that that anyone's ever done. Like, I can't believe someone would mark themselves with my face. Like, this is incredible. Now I'm, now I'm at probably like 60, 70 people who have done it. Um, it's oh. still incredible. Don't get me wrong. It's not nearly as incredible as the first time. Uh, but it's, it's just so cool to see. Like, I'm a big, obviously... I love illustrations and I love art uh, and I, I love fan art of myself. I think that's one of the coolest part of what I do is that I get to see people's art of me. You know, the, the my art is now reflected in their art. And I think that's really, really neat. Uh, and so to see people who sport my art in another art form on their body is incredible. I think it's, it's very, very cool. Um, I'm trying to think of the last one. There's definitely one of my masks from last year, and I'm just trying to think if that was the last one I remember. Also, the, my our logo, the Dark Order logo, has been all over the place, too. I've seen a lot of those tattoos as well. Um, it is very cool to see someone have a tattoo of your face. <laughs> uh, uh, as cool as the action figure, or is it like 1A, 1B? Uh, the action figures, to me, because I, I'm a child at heart, and I'm still a child at, at the year of 34, um, but <laughs> at the age of 34. Um to me, there's there's there was two metrics as uh, of if I made it as a professional wrestler or three metrics, national television which I did, action figure which I did, and now it's to be in the in in a, a playable character in a video game. So those are the three to me that were the 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 level of what I wanted to achieve as a child. Like those are the three things that determined to me. Like if I think Stone Cold, I think Stone Cold's got a cool t-shirt. He's got an action figure. He's on TV and he's in a video game. I've played at him. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm three out of four of the way there now. Uh, so <laughs> the action figure is cooler than the tattoo, but the tattoo is still very cool. <laughs> um, okay. Another quick one is mask cleaning. I need to know. Yes. How often do you have to clean the mask? Does it get smelly? What What, what is uh, the mask situation practically like? So I used to wear spandex masks, and those you could you could uh, machine wash on low, uh, and then just hang dry. These are leather or soft leather masks that I've started wearing. Uh, I think they've got cooler textures. They look they look better on camera. They're much warmer, and unfortunately, I can't machine wash them. Uh, so what I do is uh, I, I do a warm cloth uh, or, or sorry, a room temperature cloth on the inside uh, and then fold it inside out to, to air dry. And then I'll also because there's crevices inside, uh, I will I will uh, will brush them out with a, a toothbrush. Um, but uh, I change these masks every two, three months because because they're soft leather after a while, you know, it takes my sweat and stuff. And, you know, I. Yeah. I don't know the scientific uh uh I don't know the science behind uh, what's accumulating on my face but I don't want to know and so therefore I try to change it as as often as as possible and so this I've worn for about 3 months and hopefully I will have a new face soon enough so Okay. What do you do with them when when they've run their course? Uh so I I keep most of my masks. Uh to me that's like the coolest memorabilia of my time. I can kind of decipher my my growth as an artist by what mask i wore you know like uh, i can get a mask from from seven years ago and be like okay this is this exact time period um i'm not sure what i'm gonna do with them ultimately but you know i i have let some of them go and i have sold some or i've given some as gifts before but i like to keep them throughout the year it's it's kind of like a it's like a journal of my time as a professional wrestler it's a pretty cool journal um 
All right, so so let me let me give you. I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna talk up AEW a little bit because if, sure. if there's there's one person listening to this podcast who's gonna start watching, that's a win for me. I'd be really happy with that. Hopefully, more than one because it should be because AEW is awesome. So when I was a very little kid, Hulk Hogan was awesome. Uh, then you know Brett the Hitman Hart loved Brett the Hitman Hart. To, even Tatanka, wow, Tatanka was so cool. But my interest waned until. The Attitude Era of WWF was freaking incredible. And I was glued to every single Monday Night Raw and every pay-per-view and everything. I had a whole group of friends. We would pool our money together. We would buy every pay-per-view. So freaking into all that stuff. Degeneration X and Mankind. And it was just, you didn't know what was going to happen next. It was just a circus and it was crazy. And then, I don't know, the early 2000s, for whatever reason, I was done. It wasn't in, of interest to me anymore. I lost interest. I was I was just out. I, I didn't think about wrestling. I didn't I didn't watch any wrestling. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. It was just not on my radar. And I moved on to other things. Um, my wife was really really into independent wrestling, and she has some of your merch literally uh, in in our house. And when when AEW came along, she was like blown away by what you're talking about, where people like you and your colleagues and people you grew up with, holy crap, I can't believe all of these guys are on TV now. So we started, she, she got me to start watching it. And it's, it's like the late nineties for me all over again. I don't, you know, we don't miss a single episode. We watch the pay-per-views. We like check on Twitter to see what the matches are going to be for the next rampage or whatever. And there's an energy to it that's, to me, unlike anything that I'd seen in literal decades. So I would love to hear, um, and it's not just, um, you know, it's not just kind of like the the the, the gimmicks or or the the mic work or you know the storylines. It's the actual wrestling is so good. It's so crazy. <laughs> I, I swear to God, my wife laughs at me, but almost every single <laughs> match, and I'm I'm not kidding. Somebody does something that I have never seen before. I'm like, oh, that's new. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Oh, uh, 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 a stunner off the top rope? Sure, why not? Or like bouncing, bounce a guy off the rope and then throw him to somebody else. And then it's like, I don't know what's happening, but I really like it. It's just always so different and so exciting to me, especially as somebody who hasn't been watch, watching wrestling and hasn't. Hasn't you know? I I didn't watch Ring of Honor. I didn't watch mm-hmm. New Japan Pro Wrestling. I haven't seen what I know. You know, I've missed on crazy stuff. But to me, I'm seeing the crazy stuff now on AEW, and it's so cool. So I'd love to just hear about your uh, excitement about like what AEW has kind of brought back to the world of wrestling on a national stage. So I, I come from the same generation of wrestling, I think, as you did. Uh, I, I started watching wrestling when I was young, and I loved Bret Hart, and I loved The Ultimate Warrior, and I liked the characters. And then I kind of just don't really remember it as a child until the Attitude Era. That was like the the uh, uh, the turning point for me in professional wrestling, where you know we had Stone Cold, you had The Rock, you had Mankind, you had these crazy characters. It was always so chaotic you had no idea what you, you knew you had to watch because you had no idea what you're going to miss if you didn't watch and you know it 
very similar to you because I started wrestling, but also because wrestling had changed on television. It just became kind of cookie cutter and it became very predictable. Uh, uh, you know, like part of it is because I was in the world of wrestling, but another part of it, I think, is because what was so exciting what was so exciting was the chaos of the attitude era and then when after that it became more about a three-act structure and you can kind of see how it would be played out or you know you knew exactly who it would win because you started realizing that it was written for you and it was written for a certain person and that you knew that the whole year for example it could be john cena winning or it was going to be so on and so forth and it became kind of redundant what all what aw offers i think is that chaos again. Uh, um, it's a controlled chaos, of course, but every single week you are seeing the best professional wrestlers in the world. And we're, we're not just talking like the best in America. We're talking about people from from Canada, we're from Mexico, from Japan, from Europe. They're all on this one show. And if you have a two-hour wrestling show, you can expect an hour and 40 minutes of professional wrestling. They don't, they don't just talk to you. They don't present to you uh, a soap opera moments. What they're showing you is pro wrestling. You're going to see a man fight a man. You're going to see a tag team fight a tag team. You're going to see a woman fight a woman. And you know you're gonna, they're going to be some of the best competitors in all of professional wrestling because that's what all elite wrestling does. It brings the best pro wrestlers and it makes them face against other best pro wrestlers. And they let them... What What's so cool about AEW compared to uh, WWE and a lot of other things is it's not micromanaged the same way. You know, we they they let their artists speak for themselves. So when you're seeing Ray Phoenix versus Nick Jackson, you're not seeing a person's vision of what Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix want to present you. They're, they're, you're seeing what Ray Phoenix and Nick Jackson want to present you. So you're seeing these two at, artists collaborate and, and show you their very best. And so that's that's how you get all that innovation that you've been talking about. That's how you get to see something that you've never seen every single match because people are trying to. Uh, uh, they're trying to stand out on their own. They're trying to perform their own art. They're trying to improve their own art, and they're trying to improve the art of professional wrestling every single match. Um, and then on top of that, like on top of having the best wrestlers and that controlled chaos, we also have incredibly young talents that you know you're going to be seeing for the next 10 to 15 years. You know, men, men and women who are only 22, 23 years old who already seem to have it all. You know, they've got the good looks, they've got the great wrestling, they've got personality. You know you're you're getting on the ground floor of something. Uh and that that's the benefit of watching AEW is you're you're not only watching the stars of today, but you're also watching the stars that are going to be there for probably the next decade. Um and you know, they're larger than life characters, you know, like Ricky Starks, like I mentioned before, I'm a big fan personally. Uh, you know, uh, uh Jungle Boy, you're gonna see a whole lot. Darby Allen, who I think is a a a person who has really spoken to uh, uh, an Attitude Era fan. Um, for me, at least, I, I never miss a Darby Allen match because I truthfully have no idea what kind of crazy thing he's going to do next. And I think that's part <laughs> of the fun of uh, AW is that if you watch an episode of Dynamite or you watch a pay-per-view, you know you're getting your money's worth and you know you're going to see something crazy. You're not You're not tuning into an episode of Dynamite and this is just a lackluster skip till next week episode you know at least one of these things is going to be insane and you know that all of it is going to be interesting um and it's it's you know obviously i work there and so maybe half of this doesn't seem genuine but i say this from my heart i genuinely think this is one of the best professional wrestling shows ever uh uh with one of the most fascinating and and uh 
uh, incredible roster of all times. Like we have, we have CM Punk, we have Samoa Joe, we have Brian Danielson, people that when I started wrestling were the top wrestlers. We've got William Regal helping to teach. We've got Dean. <laughs> we've got Dean Malenko helping to teach. We've got Jerry Lynn helping to teach. We have Dustin Rhodes. We have, you know, we we have such incredible wrestlers and we have such incredible, we're surrounded by such incredible wrestlers and such incredible minds that uh, I can only, I can only get excited to, about what could potentially be the future of AEW because, you know, we're only, we're in its, our infancy three years in. It's exciting and it's new, but it's also growing. You know, our roster is growing. We're, we're, if you had looked at what our show was a year ago, there's no way you would see today's show and think that's the same show because it is always evolving. Um, and I haven't even gotten into the forbidden store stuff, the forbidden door stuff, which if you're not a wrestling fan, you don't completely understand. But throughout the years, it had been so conventional for a pro wrestling industry, uh, federation to only present to you the wrestlers that are on their television show. AEW doesn't do that. What they do is they offer an olive branch to other promotions. And so the second most watched professional wrestling or the third most watched professional wrestling show on TV is Impact. And typically, you know, for example, WWE would have never worked with Impact in the in the past. And uh, I'm trying to think of another wrestling show we've had. Let's say WSX or, or, or Wrestling Society X would have never, MTV would have never worked with another TV organization to present their wrestlers on their shows. AW doesn't do that. They open up an olive branch, and that's why we've had people from Japan, from New Japan, who have some of the best professional wrestlers in the world, come to our show and wrestle the AEW roster. That's why we have people from Impact come in and wrestle on the AEW Dynamite show. So it leaves, it, if you're a pro wrestling fan, it leaves incredible, incredible uh, situations that you would never in 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 a decade imagine would happen. And then if you're not a wrestling fan, well, then you're just getting the best wrestlers from every single place in one place. So it's, 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 uh, I can't speak well enough of AEW, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As somebody who doesn't know half of these people, and then I get to see them for the first time, it's, I mean, it's this weird thing because I'm sure people who have watched people for, for years are excited to see them, Mm -hmm. you know, see these matches. And, but then for somebody like me who is oblivious, I had to see this for the first time and it's like, holy crap, who, who is that? What, what, what was, what did they just do? And it's, it's, it's a constant surprise. So you are, you are right when you say it does kind of invoke that attitude era must see TV Mm -hmm. where you're like, I can't miss this. I mean, there were, there was a, there was a match where I had a phone call or something during it. Uh, And so I'm on the phone in the other room and my wife is just like, yelling at me to get back to watch i think it was i think it was the young bucks uh just this past week oh against um, the, the, young, the the lucha bros yes on yes Friday. yes yeah. and she was like we have i have to find this match for you like on youtube or whatever just so you can see because the whole thing was just completely ridiculous just mm-hmm. flips and jumping out of the ring and and everybody just putting their bodies on the line and i'm i'm, I'm amazed that everyone isn't just like horribly injured all the time <laughs> with all of the freaking things that happen. <laughs> broken. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Uh, well, that that was my sales pitch. I hope that people um, who, who haven't heard of it will check it out, and maybe people who have been on the fence about it will hop off the fence 
and just watch an episode and it will sell itself. Like, yes, I don't have to freaking tell you anything. Just watch the thing. and be Just like, give it one oh. watch. Honestly, it'll do it. <laughs> if, if you are even tangentially uh, interested in wrestling, it'll yeah. sell you. It'll sell you quickly. Be, uh, before we go, we, I have to ask you about the, your fighting back charity. We didn't even talk about your charity. Mm-hmm. So c- could you, uh, you know, fill everybody in about, uh, about the, the charity work that you do? Sure. Um, so every August, uh, we run a pro wrestling event called fighting back wrestling with cancer. Uh, it is based out of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada That is where I am from. Uh, and, uh, it is a tribute event for, uh, a fallen friend of mine who passed away in 2013 uh from cancer and uh when he was uh when he was in hospital uh uh himself myself and uh uh mark polisell from uh, c4 wrestling which is the uh local promotion in uh ottawa talked about running a charity event um because we wanted to give back to the uh cancer ward that was uh local to our our, our city and unfortunately we had prepared the event for August and our friend passed away in April and could not make it all the way to August. Um, so in his honor, every single year, we run this event and we raise every single dollar raised uh, from ticket sales uh, is given to the Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, but uh, it's also it's evolved over the last 11 years and it's no longer just a pro wrestling event. Uh, we also do a 24 hour Twitch stream with uh, a, a a prominent pro wrestling uh, um, YouTube uh, uh, page and Twitch page uh, called New Legacy Inc. And um, they make a, a donation drive for about 24 hours and uh, I will join them for it as well. Uh, and that gets added to the pool that is made from that ro- wrestling event and we donate donate that every year. Uh, and so we are at, this is our 11th year and we have given a little over half a million dollars in the last 10, ye- 10 years. Um, wow. it's really, really gone up, uh, in the last few years, um, in conjunction with the fact that AEW has supported us and, you know, I have a bigger vehicle to push it on. Uh, but also if it wasn't for new legacy and doing those Twitch streams, we would never raise nearly as much money. Uh, and they, th- since they've come on board, we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars every year. Um, so it's been, it's been incredible. I'm so excited for this year as well. Uh, we'll be announcing uh, stuff very shortly, uh, and you can see that uh, this August in Ottawa as well. That's amazing, and, and it, it it harkens back a little bit to our conversation earlier about kind of you know blending these worlds and and what the the amount of uh, opportunities that arise when you can when you can do that when you can bring a charity event to Twitch, and now all of a sudden people from all over the world can get involved. It's it's a great thing. So we'll definitely uh, you know follow Evil Uno to to get updates on that. And we'll, we'll put links certainly, uh, down in the description to, for people to, to find out more and see how they can get involved in that. Uh, I have a couple of gaming questions before sure we let thing. you go though. Uh, cause we didn't really get into gaming, unfortunately, but it's a big part of who you are and what you do. So I can't let you off the hook without a couple of, uh, a couple of questions. One, I'm getting yelled at in the episode chat about platinuming games. Is that something that you're into is getting like all of the achievements, all of the, all of the trophies. Do you do this? Uh, very rarely, but that's mostly due to my schedule. Um, I game a lot, but it's at the expense of my sleep. Uh, and so most of the time, if I'm gaming, it's in a hotel room or, you know, it's, it's in the middle of the night. And so 
a lot of the games I like are too big to platinum. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to platinum the Yakuza games. I love those games, but they just, I don't have 400 hours to dedicate to one single thing. Um, you know, I, I, I have so many projects, as I've mentioned previously. And so I very rarely do it. But if I love a game and it is short and I want more of it, then I will do every little piece of it. Um, so there are some exceptions that I will, I will platinum every single piece that I can. But that's, those are, are quite rare nowadays because I have less time than I used to. Yeah, fair enough, especially on game games like Yakuza, where it's like uh, the, all those freaking mini games, and exactly the batting cages. And I've done <laughs> like, I've done the batting cage <laughs> missions in every single one, and I've yet to platinum a single one. But I've always told myself, "Oh, this is the one I'm going to platinum." And then, uh, yeah, many, many, many hours of 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 grinding the 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 batting cages and the the cabarets and all that stuff. Yeah, I've, I've done them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you mentioned earlier, uh, not, not, in, not, you know, mid sort of suplex being able to talk about your favorite Elden Ring boss. So we're not going <laughs> to suplex you, you know, during this podcast, mm-hmm. but you do have the opportunity to talk about your favorite Elden Ring boss. So, Oh, man, I sh- probably shouldn't have said can that. Can you that. choose? You, uh, you can't pick? <laughs> hmm. This is tough. Uh, do you have one, Kevin? I I don't know. There are so many. The game has like a hundred. I'd I'd, ha- I'd almost have to relist them just to refresh my memory because I feel like I've so I I finally beat it, uh, which which took a very long time considering I'm traveling all the time. Um, and there are a ton that I really like. Obviously, Millennia, and then I um, I really like the Fire Giant a lot. I don't oh, know why. Okay. Aesthetically, I thought it was cool that you fight a giant and you tear its leg off, and like I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, Gideon is pretty cool. Um, geez, man, I don't know. I don't know what my my personal favorite would be. I think uh, I like the earlier bosses because I struggled with them a little bit more. Like once I got powered up enough, a lot of the bosses I kind of just destroyed i watched this great video okay now we're going to get into like from soft stuff but i watched this great (laughs) video today talking about uh uh, from this youtuber who after finishing elden ring uh went back and played dark souls uh the original dark souls and uh they were talking about how in the original dark souls the those bosses are really uh, like the main gameplay mechanic almost Mm -hmm. like each boss has a unique thing really that it's trying to teach you to do in order to defeat it and and he was talking about how elden ring doesn't really have that that really the the point of elden ring is the exploration yes and i i vibe with that i was like that is actually really true like elden ring really is just about wandering around and uh whereas anybody who's played those especially the original dark souls they know the every nook and cranny of those freaking bosses because you have to in order to defeat them whereas in elden ring it was really more like what is your setup and mm-hmm. what are you using and like you you can artificially limit yourself in order to memorize the move sets you don't have to you can mm-hmm. also you know spirit ash and uh whatever your your setup there's is there's definitely use, a lot more methods there's a lot more methods to tackle the bosses in this one than there are in the previous ones for sure. With like the ashes, way more weapons. Um, also, just because you don't have to fight every boss, unlike Dark Souls one, uh, you could just 
it, I, I do agree where it's a lot more exploration based. Um, kind of like Breath of the Wild, where it's just about can I get to that thing? And yes, I can. Like though that's to me, that's what I like the most about Elden Ring. Uh, I like all the Souls games, and Bloodborne's my personal favorite. Um, yes, um, agreed. Aesthetic and also just story wise, I, I like it the most. Uh, but yeah, this one like there there was a a sense of awe at all times in this game because it, you you're content continuously like finding more things and 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 finding underground levels and finding out that there's a whole other map elsewhere and like like all of that stuff the 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 mystery and the 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 sense of discovery I think is what made that game much better much cooler than than the previous uh, Souls games. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the chat is spazzing out about one more question before okay. we let you go. It says, ask ask Uno about visiting Naughty Dog Studios with the AEW team. What was that about? Uh, so uh, last Tuesday while we were in uh, Los Angeles, we visited Naughty Dog Studios. Um, we uh, Our, our uh, referee, Aubrey, uh, has a, a person who she who works there that she is friends with. And so we we were fortunate enough to uh, walk around, get to see their offices, get to see their their many many awards. They have won many awards, uh, an, an alarmingly large amount of them. Uh, got to see you know some of the stuff that they're 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 actively working on. Um, it, it was neat. It was very cool. It was very cool. I wish I had I had cool things to say about it, but I signed an NDA, and so I can't say more. Oh. But uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a uh, it was an enjoyable experience. A lot of very nice people. The great office, very very cool office. <sighs> no Uncharted Five details. No, that's right. right. Uh, you'll you won't be getting <laughs> it from me. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, uh, we will uh, let you out on that. Uh, this has been great. Uh, look, if you need. Uh, Evil Uno in your life. You can do that on uh, Twitter. You can do that on YouTube. You can do that on Twitch. Mm-hmm. You definitely need AEW in your life. You can do that uh, every Wednesday night and every Friday night. And uh, I highly recommend it. You know, this is this is my sales pitch to everybody out there. Even if you have been disinterested with wrestling like I was for two decades. Look, it's back, baby. We're back. <laughs> wrestling is back. It's finally it's so here. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. It, it 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 arrived. It's like when your dad goes to the gas station to get cigarettes and he doesn't come home. <laughs> He's finally come. Home. He came back. Dad came home. A very precise <laughs> <With> situation. The, <laughs> yeah. He's got the milk carton that he meant to go get two, 22 years ago. Um th- thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy 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 schedule. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, guys. I really uh, enjoyed this. All right. Well, we will be back uh, next week. Uh, Until then, we're out of here. See you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and we've been shocked by all the new support this year. The world's ending and I'm late for work. Gib Tom, Sid Pope, Demetrius, Atrocious Guff. You guys really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus and Trevstad, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Basewade, Monahim, Dojangles, and Zero. You really are the elite. 
Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer editor Ben Webster, Discord savior Ladderman, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. And thanks to Baseweight for the use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. 